Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of the Chris Beatcast. Right away at the top, I apologize for not getting this out earlier. I've been out of town this week and I just couldn't make it happen, so I will definitely try to continue to get them out earlier in the week as I have in the past. Uh, this was just kind of a fluke, hopefully, so... Uh, two very quick announcements at the top. The first is we congratulations to Amanda from the last episode. Cause I Run reached their goal on Kickstarter, and that company will be moving forward. We will try and keep you updated as far as uh, what's happening with the timeline and that. But thanks for to Amanda for being on the show, and thanks to any of you who went over and uh, checked that out and supported her. Uh, again, such a cool project. The second thing is that if you're in town this weekend, and by in town I mean in Des Moines or West Des Moines, you can hear me speak at Thrive UMC that meets at the Learning Center in West Des Moines. That's at 10.10 in the morning. I will be there uh, preaching uh, on Sunday, so you can come hear that if you want. Uh, and then uh, I will put it out as an episode of the podcast next week, so you'll be able to hear it even if you aren't able to be there. Uh, this episode is with my friend Jeff Payne. It's a good episode. He's a very good friend of mine, and we got into some uh, different stuff than we usually do on the podcast, but I, I'm all about that. I think that's great. Uh, the only thing to warn you about is that this was again recorded on the phone and I apologize for the audio quality trying to figure that out uh, and I hopefully will have an answer soon but until then I tried to clean it up and I still hope that you enjoy episode 6 with Jeff Payne here I am today with uh, village idiot Jeff Payne talking about uh, philosophy that's going to be the intro now (laughs) sounds good you just made that. You just made that the intro because I don't have a place to start. I just start it where I feel like starting it. That's gonna be All it right. right there. <laughs> that works for me. Cool, brother. All right, man. Um, so the thing that's become what I do now is I, I say to people, tell us who you are, to just kind of where you're at, what you what you do, and then we can talk about uh or tell us what you do, and then we can talk about who you are as a person. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Oh, you. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So we, we are starting. Um, we, are hi, starting. we started. I'm I started uh, without letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff. I, I'm a, currently a college student. I was in the Navy for five years. Um, I'm going to school for some sort of transfer degree. I'm not quite sure what yet. Um, I'm going to go work with my dad and do uh, investment planning as soon as I'm done with that. So that's, that's my life. I'm married. I have a cat named Sherlock. <laughs> that I named. You, you did name you did you did name Sherlock. There was, there was a tough, fierce competition, and you you helped out quite a bit. I came out on top. I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for everybody listening, uh, Jeff and I were in the Navy together, and not only were we in the Navy together, we are. Uh, this is an episode I've been wanting to do ever since I started this a whole three weeks ago, um, because <laughs> Jeff Jeff is one of my very very best friends in the world. And we lived together quite a bit, so we, we've spent uh, probably too much time uh, talking to each other. Way too and much time. And I, I worry, Jeff, that it's not going to sound as interesting in real life as, it is, as we think we sound. <laughs> well, who cares? As long as we think we're interesting, that's all yeah, that matters. Nice. This is all just for me. I just, I just listen to these, and I don't really care if anybody else does. So, <laughs> that's not true. Please, if you're listening to this, please keep listening to it. Um, <laughs> All right, man. So full disclosure for everybody listening to Jeff is the person that I did like a dry run of this with. So he's answered this question for me once before. Um, but we already talked about trying not to make it too, re- re- or if it's repetitive, you guys won't know. So I'm not even sure why I told you about it, honestly. Um, <laughs> so Jeff, who is it that you believe you are? Um, I believe that I'm a good person. I think that's a, a good place to start. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, what does good mean for you? I think that's the, the, obviously the first question there. That's pretty, uh, that, that those definitions can vary for people. Um, I don't, I don't quite remember what I said last time. Um, that's fine. You don't have to. Let's see. What do, what do I think a good person is? I think a good person is somebody that is capable of admitting like what they are good at uh, and what they're bad at. But mm. generally speaking, like they use what they're good at for, I would say like the betterment of themselves and, and their, their community, you know, their friends and their family. Uh, okay. I think that's generally what a good person does. A good mm-hmm. person also, I would say, admits what they're bad at and mm-hmm. works on trying to make them themselves better at those things. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're, do you think you're the kind of person who's good at, or do you consider yourself good at admitting what you're not good at? I, you're right. I think that's so. a valuable skill to know. I, I think you, so. Um, I, I tend to think that, like, and, and I've kind of had this viewpoint for most of my life. I, I would like to think that I started discovering it when I was in you know, junior high, high school, um, is, is that I am good at admitting when I'm not good at something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily as good at working on fixing what I'm not as good at, if that makes oh, any sense. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I, like more I can, about that. What do you mean by that? Oh, I, I can admit when I'm not great at things like, um, uh, I, uh, we'll use athletics for an example. I, I've, uh, you know, I, I, I know I've never been the most athletic kid growing up. Um, yeah. and like I, I'll work out and I'm, I'm okay at it, but mm-hmm. I could definitely work. A, if, if I worked a lot harder, I would be a lot better at it. Um, versus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I would say like my older brother, Brian is an amazing athlete. You know, he's always mm-hmm. been amazing at whatever he does. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was, he did almost a junior, uh, Olympic soccer team, you know, things like that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's crazy. You know, and so, so that's something that. he's, he's good at and he never really had to try it for. And I never was great at it and I probably should have tried better at it, but mm-hmm. I, I've also am self-aware enough to know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Yeah. You said, you said a minute ago, you, you think you developed that awareness as early as junior high. I think so. I, I've, I don't know. Um, I was a kind of an awkward kid to tell you the truth. Um, Were you? Yeah. I, well, I remember, you know, I think I've had this conversation with you before. Like I would say specifically like the first time I ever really did something to change myself because I didn't, I, I knew I wasn't the greatest would be, uh, you know, talking to girls, um, mm-hmm. specifically like in junior high, like I wanted to know what was up with girls. I, I didn't, yeah. I, and I would, they made me super nervous. Like anytime I talked to a girl, I would get little butterflies. I get all yeah. like yeah. sweaty and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing, doing theater, um, because I also, on top of that, wasn't the greatest at speaking in front of people. And so I, I started doing theater because I, it helped me get confidence. And so, I saw friends and, and that were doing theater that were good at it. And they, they would, you know, they had girls and they had no problem talking to them. And I wanted to be like that. Yeah. That's very interesting. So you identified early in your life. So I think you're right. You, you demonstrated an ability to, okay, here's the thing I want. I want to be able to talk to the ladies and not yeah. be nervous <laughs> about it. And in order to do that, I, I have to learn to speak uh, in front of people. So you, you went and did something that – would you say that when you started doing theater, it terrified you? Were you very, very – Yeah, oh, no, it was, it was – yes, it was, it was incredibly intimidating. Um, 
you know, I started doing like theater classes in like eighth and ninth grade. Uh, I remember yeah. those are the first ones. Um, yeah. and it, it was scary, but it also enabled me to be in front of people and be somebody different. And so I could kind of feel I, once I realized like if I'm somebody different and I can get along with people and I can be comfortable talking to girls and yeah. talk, comfortable talking in front of people, then normal me could also be comfortable talking to girls and talk, comfortable talking in front of people. Yeah. That's fascinating to me actually, because I don't, I don't know, maybe we have talked about this before, but I don't remember. We, we talk so much. You can't even remember, but um, <laughs> th- that's interesting to me because um, I consider you such an actor, you know, you have so much theater, you have so much more theater background than I do. And a lot more knowledge of acting, I think, in general. I consider you, like, since I've met you, that's the person I've known you to be. So it's fascinating to me that there was a point when you were very much not that, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, and I would say even even more so, like, I, it's kind of kind of that pursuit of wanting to be comfortable in front of people um, Yeah, was kind of what defined me in a way when I was... In, in like my formative years, I, I guess would be the best way to put it since I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, a teenager anymore. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like I've accomplished that. I feel like I'm better at talking in front of people and I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. every once in a while I get a little nervous having to talk in front of people, but I'm at the point now where I, I don't even really care what most people think about me. So it just doesn't matter. Like if I have to talk in front of him, it's like, okay, cool. I just have to do this. Like, yeah none of these people's opinions really matter that much to me. There's only a handful of people that I actually care about like yeah. uh, their opinions a bunch. And that would be, you know, a very short list. <laughs> you, you, Amy, my family, stuff like that. So what do you think? Do you, do you remember a specific, like a catalyst to make you, cause that's pretty great. I think that one of the things that we worry way too much about just in general, like, and I mean, we like in a global sense, we, worry way too much in general about is what, what do all these people think of me that I'll never probably see two times in my life? You know, like, I'll give you, like, I'll give you an example. Like I'll be driving down the road and I'll be singing in my car. And if I stop at a stoplight next to someone, I'll just stop singing. Cause I'm like, well, I don't want them to see me singing. <laughs> what do I care? Who cares? I don't, I yeah. don't know that person. Why do I care about that? And I think that every time I'm like, what are you doing? Why does it matter? You don't know them, but I still think it. Do you remember like a catalyst to make you just stop caring about that or, or, or prioritize the people whose opinions actually matter. Um, I would say as if man, prior to prioritizing whose opinions I actually like actually matter to me. Yeah. I think that's a, that, that's honestly like a lifelong pursuit doing that, but I totally I, agree with you. Yeah. I would say specifically a, a handful of catalysts that really did it for me um, would be, I was in Rocky Horror Picture Show when yep. I was uh, 19. Yeah. And so I. And if I, you're listening to this and you've never seen that, shame on you. And <laughs> just, you could, I'll give you full permission to stop listening to this episode and watch it. And then we'll, we'll be here. You can come back. We'll still be here. Well, so I was 19 and I, uh, I played one of the leads. I, I, his name, Brad Majors. Basically, the whole gist of it is you're in front of, people the entire time and you're wearing I was wearing tidy whities that's right yeah mm-hmm. um and and it's become a big cult classic and so part of the the deal of the show is is the audience members they, they yell stuff at you mm. and so i had to be so focused um i i would say that that to me was it was a big part of it um yeah oh man they yell stuff at you i don't think I oh knew yeah that. oh well because it's it's such a campy movie 
they have yeah. a, um, kind of a little tangent right now, but they have a, like the, they'll show midnight showings in, in big cities like Tacoma and Seattle or Des Moines, if you're over in the Midwest, like Pete is. Um, <laughs> and, and the people will show up and they'll dress up and they'll, they'll yell lines at the movie and do all this stuff. And so when you're actually doing the live performance, there's a lot of times, a lot of theaters doing a live performances, they'll, they'll allow the audience to, to interact with the show. In, in oh, wow. Um, and it, it's, it's very, very nerve wracking and distracting. <laughs> yeah. Was that terrible? Um, Just what limited acting experience I have. That sounds like the worst thing. It wasn't like, too bad. Uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it, it kind of like, I, I don't know, you just get used to it. And once you can do that, it's like, well, what, what can't I do now? You know? Yeah, that's true. That was like a big, uh, yeah. Cause that really just sounds like every actor's like worst nightmares that they can just yell stuff at you. It's like, you're not a stand-up comic. They're not allowed to just yell things in the play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say that, um, was a big part of it. And then I would say probably one of the biggest ones was, would be meeting my wife, uh, Amy. Mm-hmm. I, I met her well, when I was 19 as well. We were in a show together that, uh, later in the year from after Rocky and, uh, um, oh, 19 was a big year for you, buddy. It, it was a big year for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, after I got out of high school, I, I kind of was in a little slump. I, you know, I dropped out of college. Uh, I, you know, I had a, a pretty messy breakup, and mm-hmm. you know, I was I, I was just seeing what was going on. Like I I had a big falling out with my dad for a little while. Like it, it wasn't very great for me. Yeah. And I, I met Amy and realized like, oh, I kind of need to turn stuff around. Um, and mm-hmm. I I would say that that. that like realization that there's somebody in my life that I do care about their opinion about me mm-hmm. um, was, was a big catalyst, a big, big like self-realization moment that I realized yeah. I, that I realized that there are a few people that I do care about their opinions. And, and that really helped me grow as a person. Yeah. Um, I, I stopped doing as much kind of more self-destructive behaviors, you know, mm-hmm. lots and lots of, smoking weed and, and drinking all the time and yeah and partying and all that stuff like i kind of stopped doing all that because I, I had something that i that mattered to me you know that, um, that made you want to be better yeah be I, 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 yeah i joined the navy because i wanted to be able to provide and start a family with her you know yeah. like that was that was the reason i joined the navy mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. i would say that that's that that in and of itself and then being in the navy even further cemented all that because you know dealing with some of the bs that we had to deal with while we were sure. in like it, it kind of yeah. cements more and more like the people that you care about and the people that matter to you so yeah. that's that's such not a that's so not a culture that you can walk around and worry about what every single person you interact oh, with yeah. thinks about you you, you just oh yeah can't. yeah you, and you I gotta think, have a thick skin and then but you also need to have close friends that you can vent to yeah for sure and the you know the bummer of it is is that um, that culture is so permeated with just like tearing people down, but not in like a constructive way, mm-hmm. you know, and that it bums me out. I, I, you know, we both came in there. I think it sounds like with a decent amount of confidence already, but if you were 18 years old and didn't have that, I can't or, imagine. Well, I or can't 17, imagine, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. Cause I saw it happen that, you yeah. know, the, the, those kids have no mechanism to deal with that. Um, well, yeah, and and then they turn around and they see the the people that they're that they ought to be looking up to out partying and something like that, and they think they can do that too. With that no must be what experience. we do, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why you see so many of those guys, you know, doing drugs and mm-hmm. drinking and having no way to cope with any sort of mental 
disturbances yeah. they've had. There's uh, a real they get kicked there's, out. There's a real yeah. There's a real culture. We just have we we just there's a real culture that permeates the the military. I think in general. I I mean you and I can't speak for the other branches, but I assume it's the same. Where it's just it it is a very um, it's sort of ruthless. In, in mm-hmm. a certain sense. And like to find someone like the people that helped us out when we were in the military, I don't want to make this a whole military podcast, but the people, the people that helped us out when we were in the military, they stand out so much that you remember them. Like I will yeah. remember the people, you know, that did me favors and helped me. Like I will remember those people for a long time because they just, they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, all that abundant. You know, there yes. weren't that many people that were doing that. Well, I think I mean, you and I I'm, tried I'm to do those people. Yeah, I'm doing a podcast with you right now because you're one of those people for me, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Boom, you nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I want to, this is a totally separate thought, but I want to have like you and, uh, Anthony from the first episode and like my friend Jordan all on and just do a like culture of the military podcast. <laughs> like just a, like, a, a weird episode in the middle of this where we just talk about that. I think people are <laughs> curious about that because if you've never been in, you have no idea what that world is like. I think it's interesting. Well, and, and to, br- to bring back up the, you know, young and experienced 18 year olds, I don't think they have the, uh, the ability to express what that feels like as well as, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound arrogant right now as, as somebody yeah, like myself or yourself who's intelligent and can express their thoughts and their feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you get, you, you pull a young 18 year old out of, you know, the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, who's barely graduated high school. He's not going to be able to express himself as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of nice sure. to have people that with, that are intelligent can, that can discuss what it mm-hmm. felt like to be in the military. It's uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go back to something because actually I wanted to talk about theater with you. So I'm excited that it went that way organically. Um, cool. Do you, what do you think? Well, what, other than wanting to, because you go to theater because you want to learn to talk, be more comfortable speaking in front of people. Why did you stay in it? What did you like about it? I mean, there's a handful of answers to that, and some of them are fairly crude. I kind of stayed in it for a while because I was being successful with girls was a big part of it. Um, yeah. And I, I was. That's where uh, the girls but, are, man. They're in, like, <laughs> theater and band. Well, people and, don't realize, and, you know? You know, not to generalize too much, I, I had a lot of gay friends and they were always better looking and more attractive and like better at singing and dancing than I was. So I was, I was kind of what was left over, you know, <laughs> I, was what was left. <laughs> I want you to think of yourself more highly than that. <laughs> no, I, thera- if I was your therapist, that's what I'd be writing down right now. It needs to think of himself more highly. <laughs> uh, this, this is going to be a weird, uh, like, analogy that I'm going to kind of pull out of my ass right now. Um, I love it. So I'd be weird. <laughs> so I, I would kind of equate it similar to, you know, doing medicine in a way um, okay. in that it's exciting and it's, it's, it's thrilling and it's nervous. You know, you're up in front of people and you're doing something and yeah. you're singing and dancing and, and you're doing all this stuff. I'm like, that, that's thrilling. And it's kind of the same excitement that I get. And I know you get, um, yeah, from, from practicing medicine and seeing patients and like dealing with like emergency medicine and, and trauma mm-hmm. and things like that. Like it's exciting, you know, you, yeah. you're doing something that not a lot of other people can do. So it's almost an arrogance in a way that goes with it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there isn't, I think in, in, I don't think there's a lot of things wrong with being arrogant in certain ways. 
So yeah, I agree. Well, I think I think you have to walk that line between being confident and being arrogant. You know? Yes. Um, you, can, you because confidence you have to be assertive, and you're right. Actually, these are things that are all true. Of like, if you're, um, I wouldn't consider myself like an actor, but uh, I, you know, if you're entertaining in any way, if you're, I mean, I do like preach and like speak publicly and stuff. And if you're doing that right before you go on stage and tell me if you think this is true, you can be super, super nervous. But when you step out there, you better commit and you better go for it. And you better, you better take big hacks, man. Because if you don't, even people that don't act and they don't play music and they don't preach and they don't, they would never speak in front of people. They can still tell that you're, you're nervous. They still know. You know, it's yeah. like the craziest thing. Like, you don't have to be good at that to know when people are bad at it. You know, like. Yes, 100%. Well, and, that, and that's why, I, I mean, I think, you know, I personally think like stand-up comedy would be the hardest thing to do because you're totally up there by yourself. You. And yeah. I, you and I have both seen so much bad stand-up comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, it's so uncomfortable to watch. And you can just tell that they don't really know what they're doing or they're uncomfortable yeah. and nervous. And, and yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And that's why I want to, you know, like I am somebody that, um, I'm saying this more for the benefit of the people listening than you specifically, but I'm somebody who has a lot of strong desire to like do an open mic someday. But I say that. And then I think like, Oh, I think that exactly what you just said. I'm like, Oh, but then I would have to stand up there and say, and be funny, you know, by myself. And if I'm yeah. not funny, there's nothing else to do. You know, like I can't, there's nowhere to turn. There's nothing, to, there's no one to bail you out. It, you're just not going to be funny. And from everything I hear from all the other podcasts I listen to, that it's going to be bad the first time. Nobody's good the first time. Nobody. Like yeah. every, everybody stinks. You know what I mean? And like, that's terrifying to me, even though I'm someone who has gone up and spoken in front of people before and not done well. Um, I've certainly had that happen. Um, but I think you also, in some sense, I think you, it, it, it measures your commitment because we were all bad. Like, what was the, do you remember the first play you were in at all? Oh, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, God, that was a long time ago. Um, I think I might've been in one before, but I, I, I vividly remember being in Bye Bye Birdie. Okay. Uh, musical. Um, what did you play in Bye Bye Birdie? Oh, I, I was, uh, I was in, the, in the ensemble, of course. Oh, in the but first, I also... Yeah. I also got to play the bartender, which was a fun uh, role for me. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably foreshadowing. Yeah, probably um, a little bit. Um, really, and, you know what? Forget everything we just talked about. That's that's a trajectory for your whole life. <laughs> no, no. So, so I played the bartender, but it was it was just like a little bit part during one of the songs. Um, the main character is is singing to the woman he loves, or singing about the woman he loves, and like how he's sad because they got in a fight or whatever. But he's at a bar, obviously, because that's what you yeah. do. Yeah. And at the bar, like the bartender and then a couple of the patrons that are like sitting around the bar, they stand up and they do, they do a barbershop quartet kind of thing behind mm-hmm. him. Um, and I was just so nervous. I, I can't, I was, I've never been that nervous in my life. Yeah, you like, beat me to my there. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Oh my God. I felt like I was going to, like, and it was funny because it's late in the show. Like it's, it's, it's like the big climax, they get in a fight and then they make up obviously. Cause it's a yeah. musical that was written in the fifties. Right. Um, and, and so, but I like, so I've been out there already. I, I danced, I sang, I had costume changes, whatever. I did all this stuff. And this was the big one for me. That was, a, was I had to be a barbershop quartet. I had to sing 
like yeah. acapella with three other dudes. And it was, yeah. I was so nervous. I felt like I was going to like poop myself on the stage. <laughs> um, and I, and I went out there and it, it went well. Like yeah. we had it, we had a good time. We we did well. And I, the three guys I was with, they were all fantastic singers. Uh, I know they're, they're all way better singers than I am. Um, and like we all did really well and it, it went well. So after that, it was like, Oh, well, I already did that. So I guess I can just do it again. Like, we're just going to do the same thing we did last night. Let's do it again. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what the heck was I going to ask you? Yeah, I, that resonates with me, though, too, because I, I think that um, – and it's such a great moment when you walk. Like, I do remember the first time – I don't remember even what the play was, but I remember the first time I was in a play and walking off the stage after it was over, and they're like, we did it. Like yep. nothing, like nothing, the, the set didn't burn down. We didn't get booed. I mean, it's an eighth grade play, so no one's really going to boo it, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, oh, I, we, we did it. And, and even you individually, you walk off and you're like, I remembered all my lines. Mm-hmm. I, you know, um, that's pretty, but there is something to be said. And I think we're, we're kind of dancing around something, which is that, um, maybe that people don't, cause you and I are very much people who are, um, I would call us like performers just in general. To some extent. Yeah. 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 Even in life, even in life, like I definitely even in life. when I'm in, when I'm in a big group of people, like I, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't necessarily like it about myself sometimes. Cause like, I know I can be kind of annoying, but I also like, I, when I'm in a big group of people, I, I enjoy being the center of attention to some extent. And I can definitely play that part if I need to. Yep. I, I totally agree with you. Um, because I'm the same way. Why do you think you Why do you think you do that? Do you have any idea? Sorry, I just took a drink of whiskey. Um, That's fine. Trying to answer with mouthful of whiskey. Um, why do I think I do that? I don't know. I think it's a. I, I do it less now that I've got as I've gotten older, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I definitely if I'm in a group of people that I'm not comfortable with, like I just I'll kind of sit back and watch now. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess I would say it's a, a coping mechanism. Like if, if I'm uncomfortable in a group of people, mm. but then I can act a fool and everybody laughs, then I guess I can, then I guess I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if I, if I can speak it, then everybody's going to like kind of appreciate having me. I, guess, I don't know if that makes any sense. Do you think that, um, if, if everyone's paying attention to you, then you feel like you have some sort of control over the situation yes. and the circumstances? Yes. I, I and is that, that something that's, that's very... important? That must be something that's important to you then. I would say that's a very, like, very astute way of, like, putting it. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I would say that that is a, a very important thing to me is, is having control of my life. Like, I like I like schedules. I like to know what I'm doing. Um, I don't like last-minute plans very much. Have you always I, been that way? Uh, yeah, not as much when I was younger. I was definitely a lot more impulsive when I was in high school and stuff. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, think, I think the military, military. Right, yeah, I think the military to some extent, like definitely focused me a tiny bit, um, quite a bit more. And, and I, I very much like anxious yeah. if I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Like if somebody calls me up an hour before something and they're like, Hey, get down here. We've got an extra ticket to such and such. Like that would, I would be so uncomfortable and anxious until I got yeah. to the show and like probably an hour into the show before I'd relax, you know? Yeah. I don't even know if I'd go. I'm <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I probably wouldn't go. Um, yeah. I don't like last minute things like that. They just, they bother me. 
Me too. And I tell me if this is accurate. I because I feel that same thing, and it's just like I'm sitting there going, okay. First of all, this wasn't part of my plan for the day, so that's throwing me off already. Second, in the case that you're talking about, like we've got tickets to this concert. I'm going, okay. There's going to be a lot of people there. I don't necessarily like crowds, so I kind of have to prepare myself mentally to be in a big crowd. I haven't done mm-hmm. that. Uh, I don't know how I'm getting there. Uh, who's driving? Is anyone picking me up? When are you picking me up? I'm not ready to leave. What if they want to pick me up in 10 minutes? You know, yeah. like, it's, it's all that stuff, like the anxieties of just that whole thing that make me want to, that make me inclined to say no. Well, and, and the, other, the other thing, and I know this isn't necessarily fair to hold people to, like, I guess my standard or to, like, my schedule, but it bothers me when people don't plan that out. It's like, how long have you known that you need to have someone use this ticket? Like, why didn't yeah. you tell me two days ago? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that, that is one of my all-time, like, things that drives me absolutely up the wall. Mm-hmm. When people contact me last minute for things, it's like, you knew about this beforehand. Like, yeah. And, but, but at the same time, I know I can be very critical and very severe when it comes to things like that. So I know I need to take a step back and go, is it, is this worth getting upset about? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to change it. It's not going to change the fact that it's last minute. It's not going to change this person that I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, so is it worth getting upset about? Yeah. That's a big, like, that's a big, like self-awareness tool that um, they teach in therapy a lot. Um, yeah. Which is very much a, I mean, that's something I've learned to, to, if you're listening to this and you don't know that I have like anxiety and uh, PTSD and stuff by now, if I've never mentioned it, I'm mentioning it now. Uh, I find it hard to believe I've never mentioned it though, but that is a tool they've taught me to, to manage my anxiety is to look at like, to just ground yourself. It's kind of mindfulness meditation. I don't know to what extent you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but it, being present in moments, grounding yourself, where are you? Look at things that are actually there. Be in, be in the place where you are, which sounds like a, a dumb thing to say until you really think about it, you know, and then go, mm-hmm. okay, examine the situation. What is happening? Is this worth getting this anxious about? Most of the time, the answer is no, in my case. Most of the time, it's yes. like you're, getting, you're more worked up than you should be, which is what anxiety is, I guess. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you there. That it, it, the last minute things I'm not a fan of. Or if I decide, or it's this too. Let me give you an example. Uh, my girlfriend and I were going to rent a movie one night, and we had picked out the movie that we were going to rent. And we went to, like, like Jeff, like three or four red boxes, and it wasn't there. Oh, no. And oh, no. We, we came home, cause, and, oh, here was the other thing. The Wi-Fi wasn't working when we left. Otherwise, I would have just rented it on my PlayStation. Right? Yeah. So we come back, and we're driving home, and I said, it need, like, the Wi-Fi better be working because we, ha- we need to watch this movie. And she was kind of like, well, we don't have to. And I was like, no, we do, because I, we decide, I got in my head that that's what we're doing. <laughs> you know, like, so I yeah. need us to do it. Like, it, it, it was the weirdest thing, which I'm not – that's a new development that I have yet to figure out, like, what I, what's going on with me that makes me need that. But, um, but what anyway, movie was I'm, it? Uh, <laughs> it was The Intern with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Oh, boo it actually wasn't that bad. I say. Hang on a second. Bad. Hang on a second. I've seen like I've seen that trailer like twice. Does Robert De Niro die at the end? No, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. Ah. Uh, did we just ruin it? Did we ruin it for everybody now? Probably. No, he, oh, no, yeah, we I'm didn't. Sure. We didn't because you won't start that movie thinking he does. There's, it doesn't lead to that. So you're, oh, you're I fine. totally thought he was he was gonna die at the end. Oh, you did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> I wonder what that yeah. says about me. I don't know. And I, I, I don't think I have the credentialing to get into it, honestly. This <laughs> <laughs> says I'm a cynical, cynical person. You, well, that's true. Were you, Just okay. a little bit. Wait, um, were you always cynical? I mean, I think the military makes us that way, right? Yeah, you know, I would 100% say the military does quite a bit of that. But I also, uh, I mean, I, I would say I've been, I've been a fairly cynical person. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic on the things that matter, I guess. But yeah. I've always been a fairly cynical person. And I would say that's, you know, a product of a lot of things, uh, not the least of which is, you know, upbringing. I, my mother's a, uh, a nurse. Um, mm-hmm. at a level one trauma center in the burn burn slash pediatrics unit. So it, you know, it, as, as somebody else has been in medicine, like yep. you and I know a big coping yep. thing for, for medicine is, is super dark humor. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I was raised with that. I was raised with my mother being, having super, super dark humor. Yeah. Um, and I do too, to some extent, uh, yeah. well, not even to some extent to a, a huge extent. I was going <laughs> to say to some extent, come on now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that, that kind of helped, helped steer me towards being more cynical, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not jaded about life, but I'm, I'm in the cynical like category. I, I'm skeptical about things. And Oh, what, how do you, what's your distinction between those two? Cause you seem to I draw would, a pretty, pretty thick line there between being cynical and being jaded. Oh man, I don't know you're asking that. I'm, hopefully I can pull this out of my ass. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, I, I would say, you know, I, all joking aside, like I would say, you know, being cynical or being skeptical um, is, is can be a good thing, you know. Yeah. You 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 kind of can doubt things. You have que- you have questions. You have reserves when somebody says something or something happens or or you're told to do something. Like you're gonna go. Yeah. Well, I have questions. Let's uh, let's explore the topic a little bit before yeah, we just jump right into it. Yeah, skepticism in moderation isn't a bad thing. Yes, and but I would say with like j- being jaded would be that to an extreme extent mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, you don't ever trust anybody and you can't, you can't love and you can't live yeah. and you can't, you know, you believe operate in operate or work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Which, which I'm not, you know, I, I, I have goals, I have aspirations and I, I drive for things. Um, yeah. and I think that takes a little bit of optimism Yeah, to, to get there. You know, if, if you were only, cynical about everything then you just wouldn't or you or if you're only jaded and cynical about everything like you wouldn't get anywhere yeah you may there'd be no way to uh have any forward progression at all for sure mm-hmm. um you said at the beginning so i want to connect a few thoughts here you said at the beginning that you thought you were a good person and then um there was some there was some talk of joining the navy because you wanted to be a better person and be able to provide for uh, the girl that you had met, which how much do girls influence everything we do as men? I would say 99.9% of them. Quite a, if quite you're a straight bit. man, and if you're a gay yeah. man, then it's just other men do that. Then it is other men. percent of it. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> well, I didn't know if, it, if people knew the distinction. Oh, thank you. That, that, was, that was probably <laughs> helpful. I hope someone was listening going, I hope they tell me what gay people are today. <laughs> If you came to this podcast with that hope, I don't know how you wandered over here for that. And um, please, please leave a comment because I want to read it. Please, yeah, please leave a comment for Jeff specifically. Um, <laughs> now, see, now I want to ask something that does. I guess we're, we were bound to talk about the military some. Do you think that the military made you a better person? Ooh, 
I don't I don't know if you can quantify that all into better or worse. I, I think that there's so many facets of military life and the things sure. that we saw and did and went through. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you can quantify it as it as in yeah, it made me a better person. I, there is, I like, agree. Yeah, I drink. I drank a lot more, you know, mm-hmm. than than I think I would have if I didn't join the military. Um, yeah. and that's kind of a product of the culture and the, the you know the sheer boredom. Uh, I think that let that me, has a decent amount to do with it. <laughs> let me ask. Let me ask the question a different way. It, do you what parts of the military do you think contributed to you being a good person, if any, if any of them? I would say practicing medicine. Okay. Um, you know, I, I joined, um, it, I'm going to just a tiny tangent really quick. My, my brother That's was fine. in the Marine Corps, yep. uh, infantry and he was on his second deployment. And I, I remember, um, uh, he, he called home. And so it was like, two was in the he morning. an Iraq guy or an Afghanistan guy? He was, Iraq he was in guy. Afghanistan. Uh, this oh, second Afghanistan. deployment, he was on a, on a meal. He was over by the Philippines doing stuff. That's right. Guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it was like two in the morning. He called my mom. He wanted to talk. He, better, he finally got a call home. And that, yeah. as anybody that's never deployed, like you don't understand what that means. Yep. Um, and so he, he called home and he got a hold of my mom. And she came and woke me up because she was like, hey, do you want to talk to Steve? I was like, yeah, of course. So I sat and, and no one else, I, I kind of barely mentioned it to Amy, but she didn't really know. Um, but no one else knew like that I'd been thinking about joining the military. And I sat and talked to my brother, my brother Stephen, for fifteen twenty minutes. And uh, the first, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm thinking about joining the military." And the first thing out of his mouth was, "Don't join the Marine Corps." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, why not?" And he was like, "They just they don't treat the people very well." He's like, "If you want to go to combat or you want to do anything, like go go be a hospital corpsman." He was like, "You'd be good at medicine, like you know, you're good at you're good with people, you're good at helping people." And I was yeah. like, "Okay." So I went to the Navy recruiter, and next thing you know, I. I'm a hospital. I was a hospital corpsman. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I would say that that aspect of my military service, like helping people and practicing medicine, you know, as infuriating as it could be at times, it also mm-hmm. is what made me a better person. Yeah. You know. Um, but I think Jeff, most of most of the things that made you and I upset in the military was not necessarily the medicine; it was the lack of ability to provide medicine. But, yeah, yeah, it was the, yeah, it was us. It was having our hands tied that made us less efficient or less able to provide the care that the patients actually deserved or needed. Oh yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, especially on deployment, like I, I can't tell you how many times I, I would go back to my rack at night and just lay there, like yeah. trying to not either like scream at the top of my lungs or openly weep because. Yeah. I'd had to deal with some of the doctors that I worked with and, you know, I'd go to them and be like, Hey, this patient needs help. Like knowing that it would take the doctor a minute of their time to write a prescription or to yeah. see them or whatever and, and getting turned away because they didn't want to do more work. Like yep. that kind of stuff uh, made me bonk. Yeah. like so mad. I, I've never been that mad in my life. If, yeah. And if anybody's listening to this, I think the takeaway, and if you disagree with this, please say so, but, that the the, the people, if you're in a situation where you need care or you're trying to get something, the best advocate you have in healthcare is your nurses and your like and corpsmen if you're in the navy or you know like medics if you're in the other military branches. Yeah. Medics if you're in the other military branches, uh, not paramedics so much because we just paramedics in the civilian where we just don't have that much contact with physicians, so we, it's not the same. But um, the nurses on the floor, they're the ones that can advocate for you to the doctor. 
You yeah. know, we are the ones in the military that can advocate for you to the doctor. Um, to think that you're going to get any time with the actual doctor, unfortunately, is not going to happen. So those people are the ones. And I think we make closer relationships with our patients than the doctors get to. And that's not, by the mm-hmm. way, necessarily their fault. That is the no, fault of not. the way the system works, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, when we had 2,000 patients for, for two doctors in the air wing, it's like, I don't blame the doctors for not seeing as many patients. By the know, way, for, those, or, for, anybody listening, he, for anybody listening, he said 2,000 patients for two doctors, and that wasn't hyperbole. That's literally what the situation was. Like, yep. that, I just want people to understand how insane like the staffing is of, of the military. I don't want to make this old military thing. And we, I do want to do a podcast about that. Cause again, I think people would be shocked to know. Um, oh yeah. You know, but, and, but anyway, um, so you think, did you always, so you said that helping people, so was something that resonated with you after you started practicing medicine was helping people, something you always had a sense you wanted to do. No, it really wasn't. Um, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I thought I wanted to be an actor, but who didn't think that they wanted to be an actor? And yeah. I, I'm just happy I realized that I could not make a living doing that. So, Is that what you wanted to be when you grew up? up? When you were yeah, a little kid, exactly. what you wanted to be when you grew up? An actor? Yeah. No, I wanted yeah. to be an astronaut, but that that got crushed when I realized we all math did. involved. Who, yeah. what, where did we get that from? Why did everybody in our like generation want to be astronauts? What was that about? Um, Apollo 13? Did we all see Apollo 13? Yeah, I think so. Tom Hanks inspired us all. Or oh, Armageddon. yeah, it was Armageddon. Armageddon's a better movie. Well, it's Armageddon for you. Oh, my God, yes. shame on you. <laughs> if you want to shut this off because Jeff just said Armageddon's a better movie than Apollo 13, you're welcome <laughs> to do so. Um, Space so, Cowboys. Was that... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's, that's enough of that. No, it's not. You're fine. You can just be funny. It's okay. That's who you are. I want to ask you to stop doing it. Um, ah. do, so was was practicing medicine in the Navy as a corpsman, was that the first time you had this sense like, oh, helping people is something I'm good at or I like doing? Or Yes, I, and, and that sense was the first time that I can quantify that, that sense and knowing that that was something that I actually enjoyed. Um, do you have a, do you was, have a moment when that happened? Oh, you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, it was, well, I was, so I went to hospital course school up in Great Lakes, Illinois. Yeah. Um, and you went, you went down to San Antonio. I was going to my understanding, San Antonio. Yep. My understanding is you guys didn't do clinicals down there because they hadn't set it up yet or something. Yeah. I don't know what um, the reason was, but we didn't do them. Yeah. So, so we did, we did a two week clinical rotation when I was at Great Lakes and, um, basically they just, randomly assigned you to different wards of the Chicago or the Great Lakes, Illinois VA hospital. Yeah. Um, I never touched a patient before. Oh, you know, we practiced giving shots and IVs and stuff like that on each other, but that was it. You had and never, ever put a hands on an actual patient. Never put hands on an actual patient. And you patient. are how old when this is happening? 21. 21. Okay. Um, and they put me the first week in a long-term like nursing ward like nursing care ward, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was pretty intense. Um, it was gross and cool and all that stuff. Like it, it was interesting. It was new. Um, yeah. I got used to that. Um, it's a lot of turning patients and, you know, wiping asses and changing yeah. diapers and, yeah. uh, ch- I changed a colostomy bag, like things like that. 
Yeah. But I will say the next week they put me in the traumatic brain injury ward, mm. um, which was, it, it, I, can't, I can't explain it. Like it, it was so different for me. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things we, we, we sat down, I can't remember this guy's name. My buddy Sean and I, we sat down with this older guy who was actually like pretty lucid and he was, he was, mo- he could walk on his own. Um, but he, he obviously had some issues mm-hmm. and I remember sitting down there and talking to him and, and buddy Sean is, he's a hellraiser, like covered in tattoos, like, like cool guy, like cool, yeah. cool guy. And we sat there, we were joking with this guy. I think his name was Jimmy, but, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, we sat down with this guy, Jimmy, and I swear to God, you could see the light light up in his eyes. Like uh, he, he wow. was so excited that people were there talking to him and yeah. hanging out with him. And we, we got him a little too riled up and he started kind of yelling at the top of his lungs and we got yeah. a stern talking to by the nurses there, but they, they basically you weren't, told you weren't us, sorry though. You weren't sorry. <laughs> oh, we weren't sorry. You weren't I mean, sorry. they basically, they basically told us like, Oh, you can't, you can't get him riled up like that. You know, it, it's not, it's not like, it's not good. But I, what I, the subtext, what I could see was they didn't want us to get him riled up because they didn't want to have to like actually talk to him or deal with him. They were just there to get a paycheck. Yeah. And see, and, and it was, it wasn't all of the nurses. It was a couple of them. Yeah. And seeing that kind of callous disregard for the patient and their feelings and, and this, this person that's the rest of his life will be lived out in this traumatic brain injury ward was eye-opening for me. I, I never mm-hmm. experienced that before. Um, and that kind of made me realize, like, I don't ever want to be that person. Like, I will take patients wow. seriously. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that changed me, man. That, that made me a different person. So. Yeah. And I will say that you have always been someone, I would say this of you, even if you weren't listening to me, I would say to other people too, <laughs> that um, you've always been someone that I really think does a good job of advocating for your patients. Um, I've always thought you did a good job of, of standing up for um, when you thought they needed something, like you were going to find a way to do it if you thought it was the right thing. Um, yeah. Something, I think that's probably what one of the many things probably that, you know, made us become uh, as good of friends as we are is because I'd like to think I'm a sim- of a similar personality. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But well, I can't tell you how many times I, you'd be like, oh, so-and-so is coming over. I hate them. And then they'd show up, and I'd see you give better medical care than anybody else in, at the clinic. You know? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing we would do. You know, yeah. we'd be like, God, yeah. this person's such a pain in my ass. Like, I don't want to deal with them. But, like, yeah. you, gotta, you, you take care of them. You're patient. Well, here's the, thing, here's the thing, Jeff. You, you don't have to like somebody, but the right thing is the right thing to do. Yeah. Regardless. It, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. And we, we both know that. I mean, I, yeah. I don't – and you're just not going to like everybody. I mean, that's unrealistic, you know, but – you and you're allowed to not like them, but that doesn't give you reason to not give them the same care you would give somebody else. You know? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, let's see. What have we talked about? You talked. We talked about you being a good person. We talked about theater, which I like. Um, yeah, and I you said what? What in the military stuff. made me that I think made me a better person? That's right. Thank you for keeping me on track. I'm a terrible interviewer, apparently. <laughs> Um, I'm Jeff, by the way. Oh, that's right. I forgot to tell everybody who you were. Shoot. What if I did? That'd be the worst. Uh, 
That'd be awful. Um, do you, okay, here's kind of a weird question for you. Do you think you have a hero complex at all? I thought I did. Um, you know, while I was in, I, I, I had, and, and this is something I really haven't talked about very much, but I, I thought I like wanted to deploy to like a combat zone and save guys and like do all that. Like I, I was like, Oh, I want to do all that. Yeah. And then Jeff, and then like I, Jeff, let's be honest about that. We, that's why we joined. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why. I mean, I, nobody, and now you look at the, I know, I know what you're feeling, which is that we would not wish that on anybody. No, but absolutely not. We joined <laughs> young and stupid because we wanted to do it. You know, having, been in those situations now, um, not, I wasn't in, in combat, I was on an aircraft carrier, but we still had our, our fair share of, you know, pretty nasty medical emergencies. Of like, course you did. Uh, having been in, involved in some of those, like, I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, and I don't, I don't desire that anymore. I don't have those thoughts anymore. I don't have me driving down the road thinking like, oh, what would happen if this car crashed? Like, I would jump out and I would save them. I don't think about that anymore. And I used yeah. to, they used to be something where I'd be like, Oh, I, I've got the skills to do it, man. I've got, I got a little kit in my back, uh, my truck that I could use and, you know, I help people out. Like, I don't think about any of that anymore because it, I don't want that to happen. I don't ever want anybody to get hurt. And yeah. then, I mean, you and I worked with a couple of people. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, Who but you, you know, yep. <laughs> I think you kind of know specifically who I'm talking about I when do. I say like I they I wanted to do that so bad and we would tell this person off constantly. We'd be like, man, you can't, you can't think like that. You know, yeah. like it's not glory. Like it's just helping some, it's, it's helping somebody that needs help. Like that's a, and you don't, that's a task. You're good at it. You do it. That's fine. But you don't take glory over it. Like you're, you, you, you don't you can't know, do it. And you don't know what you're asking for. You yeah. Know, you, you don't know what you're asking. You, you have no sense of the things, the way that, you know, because again, I, I, uh, I don't think I've actually said this on the podcast. Last year, you know this, Jeff, but I'll just say it for the sake of people listening. Last year, I was diagnosed officially with PTSD, and the things that I have done in my life, not just in the military, but because I am a paramedic, also have contributed to that in a significant way. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. I would not, for a minute if I could go back and stop myself from getting into EMS, I wouldn't do it, you know, but yeah. I don't think that makes me a hero. I think that just makes me resign to the fact that I was meant to do this, you know, like that's yeah. the Re- difference there, you know, Re- resign to the fact that you're good at it and someone needs to do that job. And if you're good at it, then yeah. you do it. It's that know? great line. It's that great line that we, I think we both really, it resonated with both of us in the first season of true detective. When Russ says, uh, Life's barely good long enough to get good at one thing. You just have to be careful what you get good at. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think, and it's the same, you know, it's part of the reason why we're all obsessed with like superhero culture too. Is there's very much that like these, this is a bird man. It's a curse kind of thing. Yeah. You know, if, um, if the story is told well. Yeah. 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 But I think that like, not just us, I don't want to make it sound like it's just us, but I think like everybody in medicine has to make sacrifices at every level for the things yeah. that they see, for the, the kind of sadness that they have to deal with. Um, yeah. Even the kind of things like uh, my girlfriend is a pharmacist and she will tell 
talk about patients who just aren't managing them, their own health well. That come yeah. into them and they're just they're not getting any better. That's sad. You know, people that that don't see that every day probably don't think about it. And you have to mm-hmm. see that all the time. You're going that it just bums you out. I mean, and that's the you know nice way of saying it. The real way is that it can really get to you to to see that much. Uh, what I want to say, hopelessness. Yeah, you know, almost because no. Well, and I mean, and that, that's no, why we see, that's why we seek each other out. That's I mean, that's why people have you build a community around that. Like you, you have the people you go to. Cause if you don't have people to go to, then you, you have nothing. And, and that's like, I said way earlier, I, I said something about community, like to be yeah. a good person, you need to know what you're good at and help your community out, mm-hmm. help your, and, and by community, I mean like friends and family and, and yeah, the people yeah. you're close to and the people that have similar experiences to you. And you're right. Like, when you see that kind of stuff, it, it, it shakes you a little bit. Yeah. And then you, you seek out people that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Did you um, always have a sense of the importance of, of community like that, the way you just defined it, or did that come with the military also? I would say that definitely. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I was very, I was a, I was a self-centered little, little piece of crap when I was younger. Sorry, it took yeah. me a second to say that without swearing, but um, <laughs> youngest child syndrome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, no, I, I was, I was, I was pretty self-centered. I mean, I definitely, especially in like high school and stuff like that, I, I did things that I'm not super proud of. Yeah. Sure. Um, and 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 I like I kept my family close to some extent, but I, as I got older, I've realized again what's important is having a handful of people that you can, are super close to. That, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, and that, that's my community, you know, and then my bigger community, I guess, um, is something that I've been discovering as I've gotten out of the military is, is the veterans community, man. There's, there's so many issues facing us, yep. you know, and totally agree like with that. we need to be there for each other. Cause that's the only way that we're going to get past some of the nasty things mm-hmm. going on. I told, I, I could not agree with that more. And I think this is a fine platform for you and I as two veterans to discuss something that is. Uh, to to talk in a in a venue where wherein people will listen. In fact, I think yeah. about a hundred about a hundred people listen to this when I put one out. Um, which is that which is that something that's very important to you and I. Yeah. If you don't know that twenty two veterans a day commit suicide, um, and that that continues to happen in spite of the fact that we all wear like support our troops flags and stuff. Like we are failing that community in a giant way. Yeah. And we are failing our own community in a giant way. And I don't, I wish I could tell you, man, what I think the answer is to fix it. But I think there's not a quick one. What the answer is, is actually what you've been talking about, which is that you just have to form relationships with people. You Mm -hmm. have to uh, know them on a certain level and for those of you listening, I apologize. I'm talking a lot more than I usually do in the episodes, but um, I think that's fine. Uh, <laughs> that it's just gone that way, and I'm not going to be sorry about it. Um, <laughs> uh, that you have to just you have to. The only way people will believe you care is if you actually care. There's no way to just trick them into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's I think like the biggest I guess you know downfall is. I, with you know seeking therapeutic help would be it's real that's a really hard thing to do as a professional person like a, like a, a psychologist or psych, uh, psychiat- 
psychiatrist. Well, mm-hmm. I can't speak now. Um, that's a really hard thing to do is, is to have actual genuine, like caring for your patients. Yeah. That's a really like day good after day, year after mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be part of the problem is you see some men and women who go to see people and in the, the first, they, they work up the courage to go see somebody. And then the first time they see somebody that they, they get, they get a bad yeah. experience. Cause they're like, well, this person doesn't care about me. Like they're yeah. just here to get a paycheck. Yeah. I'll um, be honest with you, man. The, the first times I went and you don't have to speak to this if you don't want to, but for the first, the first time I went, there is definitely, it's hard to shake that feeling of you don't actually care. You're, you're paid yeah. to care. Yeah. You know, it, that's a hard thing to um, get rid of. And you have to really give them a chance. And, and the, the thing that sucks about it is you have to be vulnerable, vulnerable and be open and really talk about your struggles. And if you don't do that, then neither, nothing will be productive. And there, again, yeah. the unfortunate thing is that in the system, there are people who just show up for a paycheck. You know, that, oh, yeah. that must be true. I can't imagine that's not true. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's a real, um, it's a real life like epidemic. That's so many people. Twenty two a day is a ridiculous number. If there was a, if there, if there was a disease, like like a viral infection that was killing twenty two people a day, people would be freaking out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that, Well, I mean that's that's a big statistic. Yeah. So I have no, you know, I. I and we kind of went off on a little thing there, but it, it just, it, I mean, I, I know you yeah. know about me that it's something that's very, that we're, I think we're both very oh, yeah. um, passionate about. Yeah. And, but that's something I'd like, I want to, I'm getting more and more involved in, I guess, is being there doing, doing stuff. Like I want, when I'm done with college to do more, you know, volunteer work with the, yeah. the VA and the VFW and all that stuff. So, yeah. And I mean, we have the fortunate, we're, you know, as far as like people coming home go, I think you and I ended up being pretty fortunate. We came back with all our limbs, first of all. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it, that doesn't always happen. Um, and we came back for the more or less intact mentally. Um, yeah. You know, so it, we, there's no reason for us not to be giving back to them. We don't have any reason not to, you know. Yep. Um, okay. Boy, we got, that got heavy. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, really did. Um, I like that. Sorry, everybody that's listening. No, I like it. That's fine. You're going to deal with it. I, you know what? I, you know what I like about this episode? It's been a lot different than the other three, which I, which I think is good. I like that. Cool. Um, I like being different. You want to do some rapid fire? Just at the we're coming up on where we have to. We'll have to end for the okay. time. But um, you want to do some rapid fire answers to questions, like like word association type stuff. Uh, no, I'm gonna actually okay. gonna show you. Uh, it's Rorschachs. I'm gonna show. You. Is that the word? Rorschach. Yeah, like the Rorschach t- test. It's like the ink blot. Yeah. No, the guy. No, the guy from. Uh, 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 oh shoot! It just dropped right out of my brain. The Watchman. Well, yeah, that's there Rorschach. He, he's named yeah, after the ink blot test. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shut up! I don't want to hear it. Hear it's okay. I won't tell anybody. I was actually super embarrassed because I thought I wasn't going to be able to come up with the name of it, and then it was going to sound really dumb. Like the guy from the uh, uh, like, that, that thingy thing that you thought of. All right, rapid fire. Let's do it. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's What's the last thing you read? The last thing I read. Oh, yeah. let me think. Oh, um, I'm going to sound kind of weird, and I, I'm going to sound pretentious. 
Uh, I'm reading something called Republic Lost, and it's about um, <clears throat> campaign finance reform. Oh wow! And no, it doesn't. You know, sound, it doesn't sound pretentious. I, that's that's fascinating. I think it's yeah, it's really good. I can't remember who it's by. It's by a, a, a he's the like he's a lawyer at Harvard. He's a professor of something something. I not coming to me right now. Anyways, he wrote a really great book. It's about uh, specifically campaign finance reform and like. Uh, the financial industry and like how things have changed uh, over the past, you know, 30 years in, yeah. in investments and stuff like that and how people on wall street operate and, you know, how like the different uh, policymakers that have changed things uh, for the better for them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how that led to, you know, the 2008 housing market crash and things like that. Interesting. What are you currently watching on Netflix? What am I currently watching on Netflix? I, there's a whole mess of shows that I should probably finish, but uh, Amy and I just started Mad Men uh, for the first time. Oh, so you that's did? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I, I like Let me know. all the you like it so far? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like really it so far, have. though, really? Is it? Yes, it's really good. It's, uh, yeah. it's fantastic, actually. Uh, the writing is, is super, super subtle, so it just... You, it's not something you can do anything else. You literally have to sit and pay attention to. That's one of the random ones that are not random. That's one of the ones that everybody has said they like, and I have the hardest time getting into. I've tried. It's, I really it's, have. It takes a little bit, but it is, it is very good. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're also, for when that gets a little too heavy, like we'll watch one or two episodes. Uh, we're watching Parks and Rec, which is oh, great. Man, I love um, that show. That show's great. That show's I would fantastic. like to like to say I, I feel like a cross between Andy and Ron Swanson. Um yeah. of all the people. Yep. I think the, those are two characters that I can relate to quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. You could be very Andy. I did, I didn't even think oh, that yeah. until you just said it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think it until you just said that. And, and I want to say that I'm doing it all the time on purpose. I'm not. I, I'm I'm really kind of dumb sometimes, but <laughs> a lot of the time I am being purposely silly. But you're just that kind of goofy. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, what's the last movie you saw in theaters? Last movie I saw in theaters. Ooh, I'm not happy about that. Oh, no, no. Never mind. I don't have to talk about that one. Um, because I had to see one for my English class. We watched, uh, Eye in the Sky, the the new one about drone warfare. Oh. Okay. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. It, it's not bad. Alan Rickman's great. He's dead now, oh. but he was great in the movie. Right. Uh, and so is so, right, so so Hel- Helen Mirren and, uh, the dude that plays Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. He's also in it. Whose name I don't know, and I'm I apologize to that J- person. Jesse Pinkman. That, that's Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. I apologize to him as though he listens to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I said. That. What if you get an email from him and he's like, "Hey, bro, I listen to your podcast." What if I do? That'd be you want to buy some meth? What? <laughs> hey, Jeff, did you know that uh, Breaking Bad is in a documentary? That's not a real. Oh, it's a doc. Yeah, it's a documentary. No, no, no. It's uh, it's not. It's not a documentary. No, it, it totally is. Okay. Well, we can get into that later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so people listening probably don't know this, but you're a big reader. You like to read a lot. Reader. So what, do you have a, a favorite book or two that you could recommend to people? Ooh. I might, oh, shoot, man. You put me on the spot. I mean, I got to think about that. I now. did. I, I, I don't know. what. Give me like a genre. Or, or like an author that you really like. Well, so I, you know, I grew up reading a lot of sci-fi, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that. Um, I've kind of really been into more journalistic writings recently. Um, yeah. cause I, I just, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about like, I'm curious about the world. I'm curious about why things happen the way they do. Yeah. And, like, well, and I, I, so, I told you a while ago, I've told you a couple several times, I just don't read fiction. Yeah. Typically, like I, I read a lot of essays and stuff because I'm pretentious and I call myself a writer and I, I don't know why. I'm not one. But uh, you, okay, so how about this? I know you're a big Stephen King guy, right? Yes, I, I do like Stephen King quite a bit. What's the be- best Stephen King book in your opinion? Oh, uh, The Stand or It, one of the two. Yeah. I haven't read The Stand. Stand's great. They're making it's a movie out of that, right? Terrible miniseries. That? It's really fun to watch. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> but it's a great book. That's awesome. Um, um, his, his older stuff. His older stuff actually has, like, a, a meaning behind it, I guess. Um, so, yeah. The Stand, uh, it's really good. It, it's all about growing up and, like, how things change from when you were a kid and, like, the nostalgia you feel for being a kid and all that stuff. Wrapped into a, a horror book about you know oh, yeah. a crazy sewer monster that can turn into clowns and stuff like that. He did. He did really work through a lot of those themes in the context of like crazy, terrible things. Yes. You know, like re- crazy oh, fantasy. Yeah. But if you took a minute and really read through, because I, I was the same when I was younger, I read a lot of Stephen King, and um, I actually read his book about writing too. Um, huh. I, I bet that would be interesting. I should give that a try. Yeah, it's called on. It's just called on writing. It's uh, okay. by Stephen King. And it's it's fascinating. I remember at the time I was trying to uh, write fiction. I was in college and I was I thought I was going to be a fiction writer, and uh, which is funny because I, I I'm not laughing two, at you. I promise. I I just two minutes ago told you I don't read fiction, so I don't know why I thought I was going to be a fiction writer. But um, <laughs> and I uh, read his book and I remember highlighting a lot of it because he just got it's just like wisdom about life, like all over the place. He just kind of. Um, Okay, so here's the other one. You are a big James Bond. You're the biggest James Bond fan I know, I think. I do like James Bond. Uh, favorite James Bond movie? Oh, shoot. Uh, I like Dr. No quite a bit. I mean, the first one is great. You, you see, but do you just have nostalgia for it because it's the first one? I, it might be nostalgia, and Sean Connery being Sean Connery, so you can't really hate that. Um, yeah, that's true. I'm a big fan of the Daniel Craig movies, man. I, I love Yeah, they're Casino so Royale. good, right? Yeah. so good in Casino Royale. I just, yeah. Fantastic. And if you take Quantum of Solace as like a bridging sequel mm-hmm. movie, then it actually is a good movie. It, standalone, it's kind of weird and really doesn't make any sense. But yeah. if you add it in as just kind of like a continuation of Casino Royale, uh, into Skyfall, like it's actually pretty sweet. I think on deployment, my last deployment, I took your advice and I watched all three of them in a row in the span of like three days. And yeah, I, I was like, oh, this makes way more sense. Just yeah. like all three of them together. Um, you haven't seen Spectre yet, though, have you? I still haven't seen Spectre. I, okay, well, we can't I, that's talk about embarrassing because I really do like James Bond. Yeah. I, What's I the? Okay. I didn't see it in theaters, and so I just haven't seen it. What's the worst Bond movie in your opinion? Oh, the I don't even. What, it's uh, is it on Her Majesty's Secret Service? It's yeah, George it's Lazenby called one. Yep, you're right. That's the right answer. It's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's George yeah, Lazenby. So who I've told so you before. For those of you listening to the podcast, I went to high school with his niece. So <laughs> that's the worst movie. Oh, no bad. big deal. It, yeah, I wish her name was like something Brosnan, and I could be like, yeah, I went to. That'd be even better, wouldn't it? Like I went to, I'd even take I Tim Dalton. With the, I'd take Tim Dalton over. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. Jim, Jim, I almost called him Jim. George Lazenby. Um, well, man, I appreciate you doing this. 
This has yeah, been uh, very different. I, we just did the rapid fire at the end of light things up. I feel like we got a little heavy towards the end. And I was yeah. yelling about yelling about veteran suicide and I don't know. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. I don't know when this is going to come out. Probably this week. So, yeah, I um, imagine it comes out this week. Are you on the Twitter at all? I, I mean, I have a Twitter. You don't really tweet, though. I don't tweet a lot. I'm, I'm not yeah. a tweeter. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If anything that uh, happened, in, we always say this, if anything that happened in this episode, uh, you want to spark something in you that makes you want to continue having a conversation with Jeff or myself, uh, feel free to get in contact with me, and I can put you in touch with him. Um, and Ooh, you can follow. Hey, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I can give you my Twitter account. I, I'm just pulling it open right now. You don't even know what it is. It's House of Pain something. Yeah, it's, it's House underscore of underscore pain, P-A-I-N-E. Yep. Seven. Seven. So the number. The number seven. Not the movie? No, no. So you can follow Jeff on Twitter at house underscore of underscore pain seven on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Chris Petrick. You can visit my website, com for more uh, content. If you like this podcast, um, please please take like a second and rate it on iTunes. Even if you don't like it, still rate it on iTunes. Just give us one star. Um, that helps me somehow. Someone tell, told me, Jeff, it helps me with the algorithm of iTunes or something. That makes sense. I yeah, I, I feel like I the more know. people that rate and watch it, or not watch it, listen to it, it's going to pop up more on suggestions for other people. That yeah, makes that sense to me. True. And... Since Jeff is on the podcast right now, uh, we have also been kicking around the idea of having a podcast. I don't know if I should tell people this or not, but kicking around the idea of having a podcast wherein we watch movies that we remember liking as children uh, to see if they're still good, uh, under the suspicion that most of them probably aren't. So, copyright. <laughs> Co- copyright. We copyrighted that. We said copyright, so it's copyrighted. Yeah, it's, it's copyrighted. 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 No, that's not it. No, it is. I think it's a murder of copyrights. <laughs> that can't be it. Uh, a gaggle of, of copyright. Is, That's it. Is. That's the one. Mm. Anyway, yeah. well, we got distracted. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yes, bye. Can I get a little more? Oh, oh. Can I get a little more from you?